Hey everybody, welcome back to a brand new episode of Mike Adelic. I'm Mike Brancatelli, of course, and you're you, or maybe you're me, and I'm you, and we're the same, and it doesn't really matter. We're all connected. Everybody is just hurtling through space in constant evolution of complex chaos and order, creation and destruction, experiencing consciousness subjectively through a multitude of different lenses and perspectives. (laughs) But you know what? We're going to get into that and more with today's amazing guest, Mitch Schultz. You might know Mitch Schultz from the groundbreaking, profoundly impactful, innovative documentary about DMT called DMT, The Spirit Molecule that came out about a decade ago, about 10 years ago. Uh, Mitch has also been involved in lots of different things. I'm pretty sure that that you've seen Mitch's work beyond just DMT, the spirit molecule. If you're getting into you know, ideas in the psychedelic field, if you're listening to podcasts about psychedelics, Mitch has been everywhere and he's got his hands in, in some of the best, uh, best storytelling, the best documentaries that have been made about uh, psychedelics and about consciousness. And some of those are past uh, podcast guests of the show, uh, like A New Understanding by Robert Barnhart and uh, his exploration into the healing powers of psilocybin, uh, the documentaries Ayahuasca, Drink the Jungle, and Wachuma with uh, Aubrey Marcus, uh, and also the new uh, documentary that's coming out. Uh, oh, I should um, also mention From Shock to Awe as well. I know a few people in that film. Uh, and the new documentary that's coming out that I'm really, really excited for that drops October 14th is called The Way of the Psychonaut. And you can find out about that at thewayofthepsychonaut.com. But it explores the the life and work of Stanislav Grof, the, the Czech-born psychiatrist and psychedelic psychotherapy pioneer, pioneering, you know, transpersonal psychology and, and psychotherapy and holotropic breath work, doing, you know, some of the first uh, research into LSD and then shifting into, uh, into that holotropic uh, breath work that, that I mentioned. And, um, you know, Stan is just, uh, you know, one of these guys, you know, these sort of, for lack of a better term, you know, Mount Rushmore type figures uh, in, in psychedelic and just has done so much for individual healing and for the the field of exploring the psyche and 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 spirituality and the soul and science uh so really really super excited uh to watch that uh, i can't wait for that to come out all right and as a part of the intro where we sell some things sell some things so that we could stay alive so we could keep the lights on so we could pay the bills so i can eat so i can have nutrition so i can provide good shows like this one with mitch schultz and um yeah we have to we have to do this so that we can survive on planet earth so we can live and this survival is brought to you by sheath underwear sheathunderwear.com just put in the promo code mikeadelic you get 20% off 20% off it's awesome because you know in a lot of podcasts they're like doing the sponsors and they're doing the ad reads and it's like sometimes you're like all right do you guys really use this stuff or are you just telling us that you're using this and we all know how like commercials are you know who the hell wants to you know i I hate selling things i hate convincing people of stuff but that's what makes this easy it makes it really really easy because it's just it's just awesome just go get it it's it's great and it's a win 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 they get to sell underwear i get a little bit of money you guys get awesome underwear and you get a discount what is that four wins five wins there's like six wins in there um but really they're awesome they're just great and uh, 
I don't know. Do you really you need you need someone to like tell you how great a pair of underwear is? Just go to their website, sheathunderwear.com, order a pair, put in promo code Mikeadelic, you get 20% off. If you don't like it, you return it, they give you your money back, you know, whatever. But you need a pair of you need a good pair of underwear. You need a really good pair of underwear. The, the, this underwear is silky smooth, stretchy fabric, moisture wicking technology, keeps everything in, in one place separated, prevents sticking and sweating and chafing and all that stuff that we don't like down there. Great for the hellhole apocalypse dystopian future that we are in right now. And it's only going to get worse. So if you want, you, you know, you have to have a good pair of underwear when you're being chased down the street by alien zombies from Zeta Reticula who are invading the planet and trying to convert us all into reptilian, you know, slaves. So, you know, if you're wearing sheath underwear, you're probably going to get away. You know, if you're wearing sheath underwear, all your man parts are separated. So it's activating your sacral chakra. Your chi is able to flow through your body more, which means your pineal gland won't be calcified by those dirty old hanes that are like sandpaper, just grabbing your balls and squeezing them and you're running and running. And, you know, next thing you know, you're dinner for some, you know, reptile family from, from the Pleiades. But with sheath... You're going to be home free. You're going to be comfortable. You're going to be dancing and prancing in a meadow of lavender fields and singing, you know, Beatles and uh, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds and all the good stuff. It's all the happy stuff with Sheath. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code Mikeadelic. 20% off. It's the greatest pair of underwear you can ever put on your body, and you'll liberate yourself from the shackles of alien-dominated oppression, and uh, you'll also... Um, I, I don't know what the hell I'm saying here, folks. I'm just going right off the dome. But you know what? Sheath underwear is awesome. It's great. It's cool. They're, they're the best. Um, and I, I love talking about things that are awesome. So they're awesome. And uh, hopefully you guys can be awesome as well. You know, there's like sponsors that you have to convince people. that, And then you, you're trying to convince the audience that it's like, oh, I'm not trying to convince you. I'm just trying to tell you that this is a good product. But th- this is this really is a good product. I wear, I'm wearing them right now. They're they're amazing. They're really really comfortable, and the pouch is fantastic. I mean, it's just it's it's like I didn't even know that they could innovate underwear like this. So they're doing it. They're doing it big time. Their colors, their designs, it's all great. It's really really good, and um. Yeah, I mean, you know, d- ditch those old, you know, crappy underwear. Underwear is so important. You know, do you want to be a, a slave in an alien zoo? No. So get sheath underwear. Ditch that old crappy underwear and get sheath. Sheathunderwear.com, promo code Mikeadelic. You get 20% off. And um, yeah, like I said, it's just, it's easy to talk about this stuff because it's just great. So I hope to get more sponsors that's just easy to talk about because they send me their stuff. I love it. Hopefully you guys love it. And uh, yeah, sheathunderwear.com, 20% off. Mike Adelic, code, bye. Uh, student Loan Tutor. Big shout out to Student Loan Tutor. I'm not going to go into a whole big thing. You guys have heard me talk about Student Loan Tutor on other podcasts. If you have student loan debt, just go to studentloantutor.com and schedule a free evaluation. I get nothing out of this. I'm just trying to help people. They help me tremendously. Check it out. That's it. Okay, big shout out to everybody that leaves five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. I want to kiss all of you right on the mouth. I just, I love you all so much. Thank you so much. It, it, it not only does it make me feel really good, like what I'm, like, it makes, first of all, it makes me feel like I'm not insane, because oftentimes I feel like a fucking lunatic just sitting in my room ranting into a microphone in front of a plant, 
And, uh, you know, I guess I'm talking to the plant. It's just between one fern. I mean, there's just me and a fern. That's it. But I feel like a psycho. So thank you for everybody who doesn't make me feel like a psycho by leaving a five-star rating and review. Uh, it, you know, it makes me feel like I don't want to kill myself. It makes me feel like I'm not alone. It makes me feel like you guys actually enjoy what I'm doing. And I'm always trying to make the show better. I'm always trying to improve. So I always encourage feedback as well. Message me, find me. You know how to use the internet. Just go there and find things. All links. You know, I always put the links in the show description and stuff. You, you guys don't need it all spelled out for you. You know what to do when you like things. And you like something, you just tell people about it. You don't need some guy on a podcast telling you what to go do and what to go buy and how to be and all this bullshit. So um, anyway, if you want to become a patron, you can go to patreon.com. You can become a patron. And I'd love to have more patrons because we're I'm really trying to build a community here. And some of the ideas that we're doing now, we got the private Mycadelic Inner Sanctum Discord chat group that's connecting people from all around the world, psychonauts and explorers and conscious reality airbenders and all kinds of wonderful people. And uh, I pop in there and and we're going to do, I think we're doing a book club. We might be doing a book club collaborating with uh, Aaron from No Simple Road podcast. We, we talked about that. So that's in the works. Uh, we're doing group Zoom call discussions, maybe even recording them and releasing them. Uh, and, and just I want to build a, more of a community. So if you guys are interested in the stuff that we're talking about here and you're interested in being a part of the Mycadelic Inner Sanctum Go to patreon.com slash Mike Brank and you can join up and sign up for that. And um, yeah, what else? I don't know. Just big shout out to everybody that that supports and loves and shares and, and all that good stuff. Oh, I'll just say one more thing. The Apple podcast ratings and reviews are really important because it's just like a Google search algorithm <clears throat> and Apple does that as well. So it's like the more ratings and reviews coming in, the more people listening to the show, the more subscribers, the more opportunity the show gets to be bumped up in the categories that it's listed in, the more people searching for podcasts to listen to with this kind of subject matter are like, oh, cool. What's this? You know, so, and I've always sort of wanted to be like, I've never done aggressive, mar I've never done any marketing or anything for the show. Never. I've never like paid to do ads or anything like that you know, to promote the show, I always wanted it to be, and maybe to, maybe this is a fault of mine. Maybe it's not good to do this. I don't know, but I always wanted it to just be this sort of like underground kind of thing that like people discovered and found. And like, I never really, I never wanted to have ads. I don't want to be begging people for mine. I don't want to do any of that kind of stuff. So it's just like, you know, I just have to, I just feel like I have to do this because I'm not part of a large podcast network and I don't have like a marketing team and I don't have like promotional people. It's just me. It's literally just me. I do literally everything. So um, just do what you can. Show the love. If you don't know how, you know, just message me and I'll, I'll give you some suggestions or whatever. But whatever you do, just know I fucking love everybody that listens to this show and everybody that gets value out of it and everybody that, that really just tunes in and, and enjoys it. I mean, that's really that's the only thing that really matters to me is that you enjoy the show. So without further ado, let's get in this amazing conversation. Oh, before we do, I should mention that. This was on a new software program that I was trying out, and um, <clears throat> I think I forgot to tell Mitch to change his uh, preferences for the audio. So it just sounds a little bit different. It's not like the quality that we're used to. And, and I say this because um, I, I care tremendously about audio quality, the audio listening experience. So apologies 
this one was not uh, to the level that you're used to. I'll just say it's not inaudible. It's great. Mitch is amazing. This is a great conversation. So stay for the content. But I just wanted to put that out there. Anyway, thank you. I love you all. Hope you enjoy the show. Let's get into it. I had a great conversation with, with Mitch. I really liked it. I, I hope you guys enjoy this too. Here he is, Mitch Schultz. Psychedelics are illegal, not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Information is power. But we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. So you just recently moved back to Austin, if I if I'm correct, right? You you spent some time I've, there. Yeah, I've been I've been in Austin for a while, actually. Um, my my plan earlier this well at the end of last year, actually it's been for a few years, but the end of this last year uh, was getting ready to move to Australia, and that I'd spent a lot of time over there, and then all of a sudden everything happens, and uh, that whole that whole plan was squashed. But I've I've kind of lived all over the place. I've lived in Colorado for a few years, uh, did the Boulder, and uh, went to school at Wasted State for my first year in college, and. Uh, that was a blast and then kind of just all over the place, man. But uh, Austin and, and South Texas is, is home. So I, I end up back here, it feels like. You said wasted state. What What is that? <laughs> what, uh, so it may not be called that anymore, but it's a Western state down in Gunnison. Oh, wow. Okay. So it was called wasted state when I went to school there. Uh, but that's, or at least that's what we called it. Yeah, that's what you guys called it. I just, yeah. I just went to Gunnison. I was, I went <laughs> okay. camping in the, uh, in the Black Canyons down there. Oh, it's great, isn't it? So amazing, yeah. <sighs> so, so much. I, that, that was the best part about 18, 19 years old, man, leaving Texas and going out to the middle of nowhere, Colorado. I had a blast, and it was one of the best snow years that they had had in like twenty plus years when I got there. Mm. So I spent a lot of time on the mountains, not enough time studying, and uh, you know. So yeah. Be it. <laughs> well, studying nature, studying life, the mountains, totally. right? It's That's it's right. all it's all worth it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like I I'm, I'm always like, man, where do I begin? Where do I start because I've seen so many of your films, uh DMT the Spirit Molecule, um the uh, the Huachuma, uh the Ayahuasca Drink the Jungle, mm-hmm. um and so and I know you have another one coming out and the way of the psychonaut and also i think a sequel to the spirit molecule right we are in the process of developing process. that very excited to uh, to kind of pick that ball up again because uh, a lot's happened in a decade surprisingly it has been a decade since we've released that first film so wow yeah it, time yeah flies. it was 
it, it was a major, I'm sure you hear this all the time. It's such a major impact, you know, and, and right. sort of this thing that, yeah, of course, um, I had no idea what this thing DMT really was. And then, the, and then it just, I mean, it, in it's the documentary in itself was a psychedelic experience because it shifted <laughs> my perception, you know? Yeah. Well, that was our goal. I, you know, we had really put a lot of time and effort into thinking about how do we get people into an altered state with a film and from the amount of editing and, and the, and the way the shots were composed, uh, the music, the visuals, all of that. So, um, I'm glad to hear that we had a little success in that. It is very hard to take the experience of DMT and what all lies in that and put it on a two-dimensional screen in a linear storytelling format. It's like, well, <laughs> it's not quite like this, but you know, let's see where we can go with it nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. You, and I was like in preparation for this, I was trying to do, I was just watching, you were giving a talk, um, I think in Australia, cultural metamorphosis, recoding mythology, transmedia to trans being. So I, I was like, whoa, that's <laughs> fascinating as hell. You know, I, my podcast is called Mycadelic and a lot of people just think that it's just about psychedelics, but I think right. you can't really just talk about psychedelics when you're experiencing psychedelics. It brings up so much more. Right. So I'm sure that you have, you know, your interest goes way beyond just the psychedelic as well, right? It does. And that was one thing as I was doing a lot of my research and prep for the spirit molecule and it, it, it brings up so much. Um, but the main thing for me and that I've always kind of had an interest in is mythology um, and how our stories create the realities that we exist in and how it limits us. But then at the same time, how they can propel us to go further um, and think beyond what what we see as our normal day to day reality. Um, and then also what, what really started to fascinate me, and this is just been kind of my focus over the last decade is about the evolution of that. You know, we know that everything changes. Uh, there's a constant state of change. And I think that's the one thing that all humans could agree upon is that change happens. Yet it is the hardest thing for humans to say, okay, it's changing and I'm going to deal with this. So we push back so much against that. And I was always fascinated by how our mythologies are changing, especially in a time of the internet, the information exchange being so rapid, um, new technologies from AI, uh, any number of different things that are feeding this constant morphing and, and shifting of perspective um, as complexity grows. So that was that was definitely part of it. And then also, you know, through my storytelling, it's it's the idea of transmedia being these kind of multiple planes of existence, but it has a common source back to a story. And then how are we telling those stories to to keep people engaged, to keep people thinking about things, to tie in a new article that they might have read um, to a piece of that. Um, and that was one of the reasons we wanted to we put out all of our interviews from the Spirit Molecule. Um, I couldn't imagine leaving 100 hours of that stuff. We, we shot roughly 100 hours of interviews with just amazing people. And we used 1% of it in the entire film. And I was like, how can I leave all this out and not have people explore this? Oh man, and, I'm so glad you put those out. Yeah, I would watch you. hours of like Ralph Abrams and Eric Davis and Kathleen Harrison and yeah. We wanted people to share in that experience because it, it was it was such a transformative experience for me just to sit down with those 50 brilliant people and have these conversations. I, I felt like I got an entirely new degree out of the whole process. So I, I'm glad that, uh, that you were able to watch those. 
Yeah. Yeah. They were so awesome. So, you know, I love mythology and Joseph Campbell, I consider to be like my virtual distant grandfather, you know, in, <laughs> in a, in a certain way. And, and, um, yeah, one of the things that, that's, that really stuck out to me is, you know, I remember him saying that we sort of need a new world mythology, uh, as, as, you know, right now that it just, the modern way that we're living seems so fractured, secular, divided, you know, and he really believed that, the, that we needed this kind of unifying world mythology. Do you think that, like, what do you think about that? Do you think that's something that... Well, it's a great question, and uh, I appreciate you setting me up on that one, because another project that we're in the process of putting together right now um, is based off of colleagues' some colleagues uh, podcast called Future Sense. And there is some research that was done back in the 50s through the 70s that was looking at human development and how we evolved. And he found these kind of fractal patterns within an individual's life, um, going and growing from an infant into an adulthood but that these same themes uh, held true and that they could correlate across the entire species. And the kind of the underlying piece of that was Joseph Campbell. Um, his, you know, hero's journey about, you know, we go through this calling and then we go through this kind of go on a search and then we have this, you know, kind of the depths of hell that we're released to and then we have this awakening and come back out and we come back to share it. Well, essentially what he's describing, I think, is the change process in humans and the change process in our storytelling. Um, and so that kind of sits at the core of this. And we're using that uh, plus this research uh, done by Claire W. Graves to tell the human story, to tell a new mythology that is a unifying experience um, that we can say, look, this is how we have been evolving from hunter gatherers all the way through to where we are now. And then, and then tend, kind of taking a look ahead because the, the gentleman that did this research had people that were about three stages of development ahead of where the modern paradigm was. And so it's kind of a future roadmap to how humans will, well, what we will evolve into essentially, as long as we can keep ourselves on the planet long enough to do that, which is a whole nother thing that we could get into, but that it's, it's a great question. And I think that that change element um, and what, and what uh, he mapped out uh, really gives us an opportunity to evaluate what that next step is and what that new message is, because right now we need it more than ever. Um, it's just, it's, it's drastic and, and people are using these old mythologies still to divide us and to talk about the other. And it's that person over there. It's this group over here. And this back and forth has got to kind of, it has to stop. We've got to figure this out that we are all humans on a planet together and that we are not separate. We are all part of this thing together. So, yeah. And, you know, in my experience, and I wonder, you know, I, I think that this is something that I feel is really indicative of the psychedelic experience, that it's sort of, it, it, there's a common theme of togetherness and unity, and also a common theme of diversity and novelty and right. exploration and discovery and openness. So, you know, I think that you're doing such a great job in showcasing these stories of transformation and a lot of, you know, what your films show is like sort of going on that hero's journey, right? Like starting off in this familiar, comfortable location and then venturing somewhere new and then talking to the people that have had these transformations. What, what was it for you that really got you interested in, in, in storytelling to begin with? Sure. 
Well, uh, I was always fascinated by stories. And in many ways, it was kind of my escape as a child, um, whether those were stories that were being told from friends or family or diving into movies or into books. And I, I just, it was an escape for me in many ways. And it was some way that I could think outside of what my normal reality was. And for me, many times in my life, um, particularly as a kid, I just didn't, something felt off. It didn't feel like what I was being told matched the experiences that I was having. Uh, and so there was this, there was something fascinating to me about people that could get up and tell a story or even do it via film and other, other modes to dream up different worlds and different, different methodologies for going through life. Um, and I was always, always just, just blown away by that. Um, so that, that kind of pushed me in the direction I think of, storytelling. Um, I think there was a one specific book I was reading Jim Morrison's biography and uh, he was going to be a filmmaker prior to going into music and before the doors were even around. And so he's out at UCLA going to film school um, early in his life and had a film project that he had to go do for class. And the, did, I don't think there was much to what the assignment was except for go make a film and come back and share, share it with the class. Well, Jim Morrison being Jim Morrison um, wanted to be a little provocative and push the boundaries a little bit and have this whole sadomasochism and Nazi, uh, all sorts of strangeness in there. And you can imagine in the early 60s that, that that had a big impact and was still pretty emotional for a lot of people after coming out of World War II. And people were yelling at him in class and, and uh, just really, really irate. So he ended up walking out of class and said, that's it. I'm never going to do this again. And that really struck me as if you can kind of bring about those emotions and that much aggression and anger, but also elicit those core basic emotions, why couldn't you do that in a positive way as well? Why couldn't you use that to, to bring people together? And it was kind of after reading that, I thought, I'm going to be a filmmaker. This is what I want to go do. Um, and I had also been around psychedelics since I was about 14 years old. So I mm. had the experiences and then it was an actual DMT experience, my first one, that, that pushed me to make the film. Um, almost the second that I came back from that DMT experience, I remember or had some sort of awareness that you are going to make a film. I didn't know it was going to be the spirit molecule. I didn't know anything else about it. I was just amazed that nobody was talking about this, and especially for something that is naturally found not only in ourselves, but all over and potentially in all other life forms. So if you're going to have such an experience and there's this compound, why aren't we looking into it more? Why aren't we trying to figure this out? Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, and you can go a lot of different ways with that, but um, that's, yeah, that's kind of thoughts, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So that's right. how a lot of my storytelling kind of came about. And, and the seeds of that were, you know, early in childhood. So. And I think there's a real power in storytelling that can really capture, like, as you've explained and as I've experienced in my life, that can really change people to think about things in new ways in which maybe they hadn't if they were just presented with some research paper documents or something like that. But to really color the picture and present the images and tell the story and showcase the emotions, um, you know, can really uh, start 
getting people to to consider things that they might not have considered. I believe in that talk that I was watching before, it was from 2012 and you were talking about how it was a little difficult to get some funding at first and get interest because you mentioned the word psychedelic and people were just kind of like, oh, I don't know about that, you know. But now we're in a a different space. Would would you agree that we've, we've kind of come to a different in a different territory what have you seen change since then absolutely i I mean i didn't even when we put the film the dmt film out 10 years ago i didn't think we were going to be where we are today i'll be i'll be honest about that i i was hopeful that we would and that we would be able to have some more research and other things happening and here we are um you know mdma is a year or so away from being legal at least to go in and sit with a therapist and do this work uh psilocybin's around the corner there's all these decriminalization laws that are starting to take effect um so i think we're in a much different place now whether or not the media escape has caught up with that because even taking out the second film of the spirit molecule or the conscious molecule that we're looking to put together it was still kind of the same thing we're like well it's a a little out there (laughs) Uh, it's a little bit much maybe for our uh, for our viewers, but um, and we haven't had any luck yet to, to be able to secure any funding. But at the same time, similar to with the spirit molecule, I knew that the film was going to be made and it was just be a matter of, you know, putting one foot in front of the next and just keep talking to people uh, and that we would find the right people. We'd find the right organizations to get behind us to put this information out. Um, yeah. And the new film, it's there. We're using DMT is kind of jumping off point. I wouldn't say it's entirely psychedelic. What I'm really fascinated in is that the whole, the the idea of the universe being conscious. Um, And many people look at this in different ways. It's even broken down to simulation theory or panpsychism, any different number of ways. But what we're starting to see um, in, in science is that there is kind of a level of intelligence or consciousness, even at base levels of reality, even if it's a proton or a neutron, or whether it's a particular charge and then how it's relating to the next thing, it's always relative. Um, so I, that's really what I want to explore that, you know, how this entire thing that we live in, that we call reality um, and not just planet earth and not just the solar system, but the entire universe has an element or at least elements of of some sort of consciousness and and what does that mean for us if everything because that means everything is connected and everything is constantly in shifting focus based on what that is and it's and it's this kind of conscious software almost moving through the universe at any given point in time yeah so yeah so even now that's a little far out for for some people like yeah imagine that i you know (laughs) i don't know I mean, I guess I'm in a little bit of a bubble, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm in a little, right. little bit of a bubble. We've decriminalized mushrooms here in Denver. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone I talk to is sort of uh, hip to what you're talking about, but I guess sort of to the general population or, or what have you. And there's also this sort of thing that I've, that I've noticed where it's like, well, let's just talk about sort of like the therapeutic or scientific uh, stuff, but let's not get into that other stuff too much like let's not let's not talk about like multiverses and you know time space time and quantum or whatever yeah but i'm like why why not not? (laughs) that's really cool like you know and i get go ahead no i was just gonna say not all of my experiences are of the healing variety i have a lot of really far out alien type of experiences as i'm sure you probably do too absolutely yeah you know and i understand it on the level of like we're looking around let's let's just take america as a snapshot right now and things seem to be collapsing um our 
worldview and views in this country um, have some other things that are playing out. So I can understand why looking out into the universe and understanding these deeper questions may not be as relevant for right now when we're in a time of social crisis, um, where it looks like the political systems, our social justice systems, all these different elements of what we understand of reality seem to be threatened or falling apart. And it, I guess it makes sense on that level that people are going to be a little more interested in what's happening right now because their, their daily lives seem to be threatened. At the same time, what these experiences can show us is that we are all connected and that we can have these healing experiences. And if we can start to take care of the kind of underlying issues uh, uh, with all of these things and, and not like, oh, well, we've got to have a tougher criminal justice system or we've got to have, you know, get back to traditional values with our political system and, and all this nonsense, um, we can actually get to the underlying traumas that that sit at the base of our human existence. And a lot of these problems, I think, start to disappear um, just by themselves because we, we have a brand new way of thinking and going about life and we treat each other differently and we treat the environment differently. And um, all those things, I think, just kind of fall away or can yeah. fall away. Yeah. Right, which is like you were saying that we want change, but we also fear change because we're, we're, we're. I think we're we're on the the change that's coming. It has so much uncertainty and so much complexity, and it's moving at like such an expo exponential rate yes. as well. While yeah. at the same time, there's also this go back to the traditional values, back to the sort of you know old stories, and it's like this this thing that's just like and like something's going to come out of that right. friction. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, 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 it's really, really, it's really an interesting time. I, 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 it's not my original idea, but I do think that we're in sort of like an initiation point right now, sort of a collective, you know, ceremony, if you will, yeah. like a, a change point, you know? Um, but, yeah, but this, this also gets into the fact that, you know, the, the, these kinds of experiences and showcasing, the this kind of information does have a power to 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 make change to the way that we uh experience this reality absolutely and that's the thing is uh pushing back against this change and and trying to push back to old ways of being look those ways have not worked anymore and and it, we have to understand that the change is coming whether or not we like it or not we it it will automatically happen and so everything that we can do to be flexible within that change um, and adaptable within that change, the better and easier it is going to be on us, not only individually, but collectively. Um, yeah. And so it takes time. It, it takes a little bit of um, release of some of those older values and some of those older ways of being to, to actually be okay with where we're going. And we may not know exactly where that is, uh, but if we can, we can be that, if have some of that flexibility, I think we'll find that it's going to be a lot easier to get there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a tendency to think that it's, it's comes with a crisis point and like, I, I, I'm like, we're in a crisis point right, right now. Right. So it's like, when is it? But, uh, but it's just so interesting because, you know, the psychedelic experience can create that, you know, you have to surrender into the experience, but you right. have to surrender to surrendering into the experience. You have to like be open yeah. to that first. So it's like, 
it's uh, I don't know. I just I always just my brain just rattles around about like, you know, when I first ex- experienced psychedelics, I was like, this can save the world. Like we're going to change everything. And I was wanted to tell everybody about the right. experiences I was having and how wonderful this was. This was. And, and then you, you get know, those strange looks from people like, what are you talking about? Yeah. What are you... <laughs> I know them well. That's right, the only exactly. reason I bring them up. Yeah. So and it's, and it's that's it's true. Not yeah. just one kind of event that happens that pushes us out. I think it's a compounding of these different issues, right? So the economy, the political system, uh, the social justice system, all of these things kind of stacking on top of each other. That's what's going to push us, I think, beyond just like maybe it's just one event that we're all waiting for. Like, oh, this one thing's going to happen. But it's these compounding issues. Um, that, and you said the complexity of all of this. It's, it's the, it, it is so much more complex than it was even 20 years ago. <laughs> And then you push back 50 years, 100 years, um, things are speeding up because the complexity is growing. And the information right. exchange between people is happening so fast uh, right. that we can no longer, on, on a personal level, we can't keep up with how fast things are changing on a cultural and societal level. So we just kind of play catch up, which feels like it's uncomfortable most of the time because the rest of the world looks a particular way, but we see our own lives and it's not that necessarily. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, McKenna talked about sort of the the limitations of language and the phonetic Mm. alphabet and, you know, the sort of uh, linguistic and symbolic prison that we can, that we create for ourselves out of comfort. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's comfortable to be here. We think that we've figured it out. Rupert Sheldrake talks about the sort of dogmas of science where it's like, well, we think we figured about 99% of it out. We just have that 1% left to figure out. So it's this sort of thing that we that we keep, you know, it's this egoic thing that we that keeps coming up. But right. it feels like something wants to be birthed and we just it's like we don't know exactly what it is because we don't have the structures of that yet, but it also feels like the psychedelic experience could help inform us of that, yeah. inform us of those values. Yeah. Well, and that's why I think we're seeing this resurgence in psychedelics, you know. It, it disappeared from, you know, let's say late 60s early 70s. Um science kind of just didn't pay attention to it anymore. And I don't think it's happen chance that we're seeing this resurgence in psychedelics because that does give us these new modes of thinking and gives us a broader range and, and, a, and a more uh, complex way of thinking, although it tends to simplify things in the same time in that complexity. So um, cocaine and alcohol are not going to work as well as altered states for where we're going. We're going to need something that's going to show us these different ways and psychedelics gives us that. So yeah, it's, where it's we're going, back. we don't need roads. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> or planes or any of that. Yes. So there's been uh, one prominent figure in the psychedelic scene uh, who's just been like a pioneer, you know, one of the greatest, uh, Stanislav Grof, who has been just yeah. at it and and reinventing the wheel, so to speak, with a lot of things that he's been that he's been digging into and consistent uh, from the beginning, from the inception when they were legally allowed to study LSD and then inventing holotropic breathwork and, and the new film that you're producing that's coming out shortly, The Way of the Psychonaut, is focusing on, on his life. What has that been like to work on that? And um, maybe talk a little bit about Stan sure. and his contributions. Oh, man. Uh, well, it's been an honor. Um, I was contacted through... Um, a friend of mine last year and said, look, there's a woman that's been working with Stan for years, putting together his life's work in this. And uh, her name is Susan Hesloger, and she's been working on this project for about four or five years now, which is about the same amount of time that it took us to do the spirit molecule. 
and she needs some help producing this and getting the film out. And so I came on, um, I guess it was the end of last year, like in December, uh, we started kind of putting the package together and really kind of thinking about how do we take out this man who has been around and, and, and looking into altered states of consciousness since the fifties, you know, actually probably even a little bit before that for his own stuff. And, um, he has been the one amidst all of this. I mean, over a 60 year career, um, first off with psychedelics or first off with LSD, um, and then moving in and once that stuff kind of gets shut down and he's at Esalen doing this stuff, um, then he decides to, to create breath work and bring people to these other experiences. And then also understands as a psychiatrist that even prior to being born or even in that birth process, that there is trauma or there is experience that gets encoded into who we are. Um, and you may not be able to have quote unquote memories of that experience, but your body and your mind do have a way of remembering that. And it influences everything else that we do going forward. And Stan has been at the front of that, constantly pushing it forward um, and having such curiosity about all this stuff and, and never swaying to say, oh, you know what, maybe I shouldn't, maybe it's a little weird or, you know, the, the laws are now different, so I got to do this. But he has constantly been through that and pushing it. And he has, in many ways, if it wasn't for Stan Groff, I probably don't think we'd be here today uh, with the same kind of psychedelic resurgence. Because mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. he laid the groundwork for all of this to happen. Uh, many of the researchers credit him for the reason they wanted to get into this sort of research. Um, and then he also just, he grounded it, right? He was, he was able to ground the idea of like, don't go away when somebody's having a bad experience, come to them, sit with them, make sure they're safe and accept it, you know, let it just be as opposed to, oh no, you're not having this experience or pushing back. Um, let that be. And, and, and something is coming out of that. Um, something's wanting to come to the surface from past experiences or trauma, um, and he's such a genuine and sweet man on top of all that. Um, it just makes everybody that I've ever spoken to him that's been around Stan, whether it's for a short amount of time or extended periods of time uh, doing research or, or talks, has never had a bad word to say about that man, uh, which is pretty amazing. Um, yeah. Pretty, yeah. pretty amazing. And, and everybody loves Stan. So... We're very excited to get this film out. It's happening in a, in a couple weeks on the 14th of October. And we've also been doing some live streams um, with all the interviewees for the past four months um, and with Stan and, and his current wife, Brigitte, uh, which has just been amazing and, and an awesome medicine actually for us during this time of lockdown. And we're sitting here just having these wonderful conversations uh, with Stan and his other great people that have been around him for 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how he was able to adapt to, you know, the restraints that were, that were placed upon all of us, you know, mm -hmm. war on drugs and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and really just go like, you can't catch me. <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to go do this other thing. You can't make the breath illegal, right. you know, and, and it really, it gets, it, it, it gets into the territory where I think 
common misconception, no, not misconception, but maybe uh, uh, more of a focus to sort of the psychedelic naive type person is like, oh, psychedelics uh, elicit visions in the mind and you see things and it's like, well, yeah, but there's also this other component that deals with birth and that deals with death and that deals with trauma release and that deals with somatic, you know, unpacking the somatic experience and the nervous system and and things like that. And yeah, um, you know, my, I guess my knowledge, I'm not like a Stanislav Grof geek. I've only Mm -hmm. sort of looked a little bit at at his stuff, but from seeing some of his stuff with the holotropic breath work and that kind of release, um, have you experienced that by the way? I I haven't. And it's something that's on my, on my agenda, you know, like I want to tick that box because again, people that I've spoken with that have gone through that, just say, and then, and then also kind of comparing it to psychedelic experiences that it, it can be just as powerful, sometimes even more powerful um, than a psychedelic yeah. experience is when you're getting back to some of these kind of core elements that brought you to who you are. Um, Amazing. It's yeah. like, what does that tell you about who we are in this right. world, you know? In the mind and how we create all of this and how it's impacted even, you know, from those early stages. It's just, it's absolutely fascinating to me. So I have not tried that yet. Uh, you know, maybe we can work that out. We're going to do it together somewhere. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, you know, I, I, I don't know if I would consider myself a psychonaut, although I've done, I've, I've experienced, I've had a lot of experiences. Um, I, I feel that for me that I have a sense of like, well, I need to be called to it. I need to have right. some kind of pulling to it. I'm not going to just do something because I don't know, like, oh, I haven't done it before, so I'm just going to do it. <laughs> sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I guess, do you feel the same kind of way or do you feel like that? Yeah, you do. Like, I mean, cause I know that you're reporting on this stuff, you're showcasing it. So is there like, yeah, I I think there's there. Yes. There have been times where I've been called to do certain things. Um, and I, I don't frivolously just kind of go out these days and just do it because I haven't done it. Uh, but I do have some interest in this to finding out more about who I am, um, I think is one of my kind of meanings of life. You know, why I do what I do is to, to find out more and more. Um, what do you think? Um, you know, there's times where I'm like, oh, great. Yeah. And then there's other times like, oh, gosh, I don't know if I wanted to go there. But I also think that even those times where I may not it had been a hard experience or something might have been a little challenging those always tell me something bigger than just the, oh my gosh, it's so pretty. Um, they tell me a lot more about who I am and then how that impacts my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and what needs to, what, you know, kind of what direction needs, what I, what I need to go to understand that even more or to rectify what that behavior is or what that thought process is. Um, but I, you know, I, I love finding out more about myself, even if it's challenging. Um, yeah, it, and it yeah. can be. It can be. It's not. It's not something to just blow off lightly. At the same time, I think there's, you know, it should be the meaning of life for all of us in some way. You know, if we can do that, um, life changes dramatically. Changes yes. dramatically. So. Right. It, it's changing no matter if we want to change with it or not. And I think that, you know, when you're when you're in this, it's um. When you're in this kind of, I don't know, field or yeah, I guess what to call it, but the exploration of the self and, and doing inner work and the exploration of consciousness and reality, it never ends. I mean, for me, I can't just say, well, that's a, that's good enough. You know, it's right. like, you know, so it's constantly this curious journey. 
Um, yeah, what were some moments for you that really, uh, that really, where you really had a, a sort of experience that profoundly shifted? I know you mentioned the first time that you had smoked DMT. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, anything that really stands out to you where you're like, oh, wow, this is going to take some work for me to sort of adjust or think about, I sure. guess maybe what we would categorize as challenging experiences. Yeah, yeah. Or something. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the first DMT experience was that because I had a full on ego death. Um, and it happened so fast. Uh, the person that was administering the medicine to me the first time said, I've never seen a look of fear on somebody's face that I did on yours for the first few minutes of your experience. Um, and I remember everything just rushing by and thinking, all right, uh, this is it. This is how I go. I, you know, I've got to go now. My parents are going to find out it's a horrible thing. But then once I settled into it, I ended up in this beautiful place and it, you know, without getting into all the details that told me more than anything that, that everything was connected and is connected and always will be connected. Um, not just for myself, but across the entire universe and amongst every life form and every not inanimate object. Uh, it took me a good four years to kind of piece myself back together, come up with kind of a new framework. Cause I thought I had a pretty good understanding about what everything was and that was shattered. It was just completely done. Um, and so it's really the kind of coming back part, right? When you're in your normal day-to-day -day reality and you're like, how the hell did I just have that experience where I was not in this room. I traveled who knows where um, and was experiencing beings around me communicating telepathically. How do you, how do you come back and, and wrap that into your head and then move forward with it? Um, so, you know, that was one. And I think that was the kind of a, a big kind of, it was a big impetus for me to start looking back into these altered states. Um, some of my ayahuasca work, I think, has really opened up some of those pieces of who I am and what my um, what certain things that happened in my life and the connection through my life um, laid down certain behavior patterns, certain thought patterns. Um, there was some great stuff uh, actually from the film, the ayahuasca film that we did where um, I had some great communication with my brother who had passed away and, and trying to get a better sense of what, what all that meant, um, not just leading up to that event, but also going forward um, and how I responded to that. Um, the sadness around that, the grief around that, um, and then also how that could or couldn't play a big role in how I was moving forward in life. You know, I could easily just curled up in a corner and that would have been it uh, for me. But uh, something kept telling me to go forward, um, to keep talking about this stuff and, and help other people out that were struggling with opiates and, and other things. Um, yeah. Because we, we've, we've had a lot of that and um, a lot of people just need a little bit of guidance. So, you know, I, I think I would hope that every time that I have an experience that there's something to be learned and that's usually, and that's how I go into it. Uh, whether that's with a creative project that I'm working on, or if it's a really kind of deep dive into my own psyche. Uh, but that's, that's why I do what I do and, and, uh, you know, continue to unfold the change and, and, and try to, to be as loving to myself as I can when I do that. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, man, uh, what a, I, 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 I've been trying this practice of really trying to, when people talk, tell me about their lives and their experiences to really try and really put myself in that, 
moment of, you know, when you're talking about your brother and, 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 you know, I have two younger brothers and, uh, you know, something shifts when someone close to us goes, Absolutely. you know, and it happens to all of us, right? right. It's, right. it's going to happen to all of us. It happens to all of us. And there's compassion, there's, there's sadness, there's grief, there's an openness, there's, you know, a, all the things that we worry about in life don't seem to really mean that much anymore because right. some, it's this beautiful human being is no longer in this present three dimensional reality anymore. Right. And I, 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 I really do think that that conversation about death or the openness more about that and, 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 and what we experience around that can, can help maybe alleviate some of the tensions because it's so taboo. Right. We don't really talk about it that much. And right. we have this really grim view of it, you yeah. know? No. And I think that's one of the, um, the other elements is talking about death, you know, older societies had made that part of their mythologies. And I think in the Western world, we've kind of ignored that. We all know that we're going there yet. We don't want to talk about it at all in our daily lives. We don't even want to be exposed to that. Um, yet it is part of life. Um, so why aren't we talking about that? Why aren't we communicating that and, and preparing ourselves for that? Um, and it doesn't mean that we have to be dark and, you know, dive into our own little caves and not really get into it, but like preparing ourselves and having these conversations. So when that does come around, it's a lot different. And it also, how do we understand death? Right. To me, we continue to go on. Um, you can call that your spirit. You can call it whatever you want. Um, but I think death is only relative because we have life and vice versa. Yeah. Um, multiple experiences, many experiences actually on psychedelics has, has shown me that our consciousness, our way of being, our whatever it is that gives us that spark of our, our self um, exists beyond this physical plane. Um, yeah. And so if we can start to maybe understand or maybe through these conversations that we can start to understand death differently, um, then I think that also changes the loss and the grief factor of all of it as well. But I think you're absolutely right. It's something that we don't talk about. Uh, we don't have this communication. And then when it does hit, um, everything that we thought was important doesn't feel as important. And maybe that even changes the way we live by understanding death differently. Um, but we don't have to get so caught up in the day-to-day -day of just ridiculous things that, that so many of us can easily get caught into. But we live our lives differently because we know that's where we're going. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I try and think about that a lot. And, and I read, uh, the, the top five regrets of the dying, I think mm. was the, the uh -huh. book. Um, I, I forget exactly. It was a, maybe some kind of hospice care nurse. I should know more about it, but, but it was, um, she went around and interviewed basically like 10,000 people, uh, that were on their deathbeds wow. and she came up with the five, uh, most common answers for the regrets that they had with their life. And it was like, I regret, you know, putting too much time into my work and not spending enough time with the people that I love. You know, I regret not following my passions mm -hmm. you know, and, and these, I forget the, the rest of them, but, but yeah, it really makes you think like when you're there, when that's present, um, you know, that things change 
And, you know, we could start to look at each other in a different light. We can start to respect each other and respect our differences too. You know, um, but yeah, let's, let's get into some wild speculation. What do you think? (laughs) Wild speculation, bring it on. So what, so you, you, um, so I, I'm, I'm kind of in the same camp as you or, you know, same vein as you with like, you know, that this is, we're just sort of, you know, we have this essence and it doesn't die. It doesn't go anywhere. But what do you think? Like what, what, what's, uh, give me sort of a little, maybe like a, like a story as to like what you imagine it, imagine it to be like, what do you imagine this process to be? And where do we know? What does it look like? Um, let's see. I, you know, the way, way I've been looking at this is looking back at how we understand the universe right now. On some level, there, there was some large event. We know that there was this large explosion of energy. We can call it the Big Bang. We're not sure if it's a big bounce, but we do know that complexity started from the very beginning. You know, boom, there's this large energy exchange. Then we start to get hydrogen. Well, hydrogen's not going to be enough. And so it starts in relative um, existence to itself. Then, the, then we get helium, you know, and then so on and so forth up the ladder. And then we have these large clouds of gas and then we have physical matter. Then we have planets and solar systems. Um, and then life burgeoning forth on these planets, or at least the one that we're on, I would probably argue that there's a lot more out there, uh, a little egocentric to think that we are only contained in this little pocket of the universe. Um, and then there's these large, like kind of thresholds of complexity that get met before a new kind of expansion kind of comes forth. Um, human beings could be looked at as one of those. And then even within our life forms, our media and our way that we exchange ideas is also kind of a living, breathing entity. And it also has thresholds within it that push us to another level. Um, Probably the best way that I'm understanding a lot of that and what that might look like um, is kind of with our current technology um, as a software pattern, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a certain configuration of electricity or energy, and it can manifest into a physical 3D body like this, um, but it can also take shape or flight um, on this other side. Um, and we don't quite understand what, how things are happening at the quantum level. And we're also looking back into the universe and we're seeing all this dark matter, but or at least not even seeing it. We just know something's there. Um, but I think that the universe has every time, all of our ancestors and everything are here right now. So it's like these two-dimensional planes where... <clears throat> Our consciousness is discrete, so like every moment, every split second in time, it's its own thing. But then there's also this perception of it happening over a lifetime, right? So it's mm-hmm. almost these two-dimensional planes, like a large hologram that is you know, showing itself over and over again. Uh, but that energy doesn't stop once we quote-unquote die, um, that there is something else there. And our physical bodies are still here in this point in time, yet everything in reference to it has moved ahead or has spiraled ahead. So it becomes the dark matter to those beings or to ourselves up ahead of time. Um, Whoa. <laughs> so does that kind of make a little bit of sense here? It's it, like, do, it, do, it does. Yeah. Because I'm starting to think more and more about time. Right. I mean, I, I recently saw the new Christopher Nolan movie tenant uh, how was uh, it? or tenant. It was, um, I've heard different it, things. 
there were some cool scenes and okay. the concept was cool, but I felt that it was lacking some storytelling pieces uh, that, that were okay. necessary. Yeah. Okay. But I thought the, the concept of, um, uh, reversing entropy and like inverting right. time. And that was kind of cool. I hadn't really seen anything like that before. And then I also recently watched the German sci-fi series dark ah, on yes. Netflix, which was really cool. And it's just, you know, kind of reminding me of these notions that I explored once before about time and how, and how it's not necessarily linear and that right. we, we don't really know what's, what's happening. And, um, yeah. And then there's the, the, I spent some time in, in Peru, uh, mm-hmm. working in an ayahuasca center down there, uh, at the temple of the way of light. Oh, and, yeah. uh, yeah. And, and, you know, the Shipibo people and, and, and their, you know, mythology and cosmology, it's spirits. Is, yeah. is, is so, so it's like, it's, it's sort of almost, uh, what you just explained, it sort of reminds me of like, well, we all have our Joseph Campbell mythologies. Like we all have our flavors, genres, the way that we color the pictures of what we're experiencing. Mm-hmm. But it, it seems like the, it's coming from this inertia of complexity and and right. replicating and duplicating and spinning on, it's always moving, constant constant motion, and it's just like the self replication over and over and over again. That might sound a little strange to a lot of people and sound like hell to other people. Um, but within that self-replication, we also have somewhat of a choice to what that replication is, whether that's on how we act, how we're thinking, um, and, and how we kind of move forward in that. But, um, yeah, there started, there was just a recent article about is consciousness kind of this linear forward movement or is it discrete is it all connected or is it just discrete or can it be both why does it have to mm-hmm. be one or the other um, right and yeah. i tend to, to go to like so it's probably both you know that there yeah. are these two-dimensional frames almost like a movie and then if you piece them together you actually you know it's a still frame but then if you piece them together you can see the motion or you can experience right. the motion um and so even our consciousness we you know some of the experiences that I've had um, can show you what was in the past, but can also show you what was in the future. And then the connection within all of that um, mind blowing when it, when it comes, when it comes down, you know, and it's um, I think, I think it has changed how I look at the world and how I move through the world just by simply saying, wow, if this is all connected and we're always here, then we're impacting everything else around us. Uh, Human evolution does not, done most people look at evolution like oh it's happened and here we are we're the best thing ever and blah 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 it's like well no the the environment's constantly changing everything around us is moving and we're also in response to that system um and playing a role in that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah i i I tend to like fantasize about a sort of near utopian world where we've come to you know allow more freedom and experimentation and research and really study these things and um i remember i don't know if you know michael phillip of third eye drops Mm -hmm. we were talking about mystery schools and how Mm -hmm. we could really start to have these things to explore completely new ways of of being like what what, do you, what would be possible with if everybody had this experience and everybody had this knowledge of what you're talking about, what we're, what we're talking about here? It's like, what, what could be possible? It's like the unimaginable, wow. really. So much great, great stuff happening. You know what? Uh, just give a shout out to my brother, Dennis McKenna, because he's working on his new mystery school right now. And, and I think oh, that's been kind of put together and they've been building the website and building a, or getting some of the uh, 
kind of the framework of education and experience happening. So Dennis, if you're out listening, great job, brother. Let's keep that up. And, and, and we, need, we need some more of this um, because there are a lot of things that most people don't get exposed to in life. Um, and if we can just have some of these as experiential, that's the other thing. It's not just like you, li- you learn in a book, but you experience them firsthand. We don't need a priest or a preacher or somebody to be the in-between. We're all human beings and we can all have these experiences. Um, yeah. And I think that will play a huge role in, in how, we're, how we go forward um, if we can start to have that. You know, and according to this um, Claire W. Graves' research that we've been looking at and working on this new project, you know, we're moving kind of from a fifth stage of evolution, uh, conscious evolution into a sixth right, stage. This is the spiral dynamics, right? right? So, yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, spiral dynamics was written by two of his undergrad or his uh, graduate students. Um, but the original research, I think they, they kind of focus spiral dynamics a little bit too much on kind of corporate management. You know, how do you understand your employees and how to work with them? Where really the research was showing human evolution in general. Um, okay. So cool. according to this, um, you know, within the next 30 to 40 years, we could be having some of what you're talking about, a much more open, a much more kind of um, intuitive way of being, understanding that there's, you know, we live on a planet that is alive and breathing and doing its thing. And we're just part of that. Um, the whole on, the idea of the whole on, you know, that there's some of the parts that make up the whole and, yeah. yeah. So there's there's a lot I think to be hopeful for even though right now we're looking around going wow, it doesn't look like there's a whole lot to hold on to, but um from what from what this research shows it looks like there's a lot to be hopeful for and and to to keep striving for. Yeah. Yeah, so is it stuff like that that's that that keeps you that keeps you going, that keeps you motivated? Like what's the sort of core interest for you? Maybe it changes, I'm sure it probably changes. What's what's your yeah. sort of uh the thing that's really like tickling your neurons at the moment. Well, human evolution, really, uh, human evolution is the big thing. And, yeah. and, and that can fits into these bigger narratives of space time and black holes and everything else. But, uh, what I've been working on with my, with my mate over in Australia, Steve McDonald is like, this is, it's a very important time right now for humanity. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, we could find ourselves in a very bad situation, even though I think we have some of those already. Um, we can easily wipe ourselves off this planet if we're not careful. Um, so understanding that human perspective um, and trying to put that, again, that general mythology on, hey, we all have a lot in common. We're all here doing kind of the same thing and trying to kind of lower that, um, lower all the things that just kind of get in the way and, and give us a reason to talk about other because it's not about other if it's all connected it's really one thing that's alive and thinking um and so that's that's really what's driving me we, you know my tend to think maybe 5 10 15 years ahead of the time um, i think even with the spirit molecule i, I knew it was going to be a, a film that would make a difference but it's not really until now that i think people are starting to kind of fully catch on in, in society and particularly the Western world to, to understand what that is. Um, and I think with this next piece, um, we're trying to do the same thing. We're trying to kind of let people know that we're, there's a lot of hope and there's a lot of things that we can be doing to understand our way of being on this planet and how it affects others. Uh, and that we're going to be okay. Uh, but it's right now it's kind of looking like, um, you know, there's certain people that can have this very complex ways of being that feel like we are 
kind of first arrive, you know, like first people on a, an accident scene, you know, for the entire planet. You know, we're first responders getting here going, oh shit, <laughs> what do we need to do? And so it's kind of laying a little bit of a safety net for humanity, we hope, to to say, okay, what here's where we are. Here's what here's our kind of general information that we have. What do we do now? You know, which way do we go? Um, and we can all make right. that decision. This isn't about shoving anything down anybody's throat. It's just looking at it practically and saying, here's what we've got. This is kind of how we think we've gotten here from early hunter gatherer all the way through to, to modern people. So now for the first time we, we could potentially being able to direct our own evolution. That's a huge thing. That's a huge mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, it definitely is. And I think that that also brings upon a lot of, um, uh, I don't know, almost like when you, when you get the feeling that like, oh, it's, it's me, I, I can actually affect you. It's, it's almost this responsibility to that like falls in your lap where unfortunately we've been sort of, you know, in the, in the sort of dominant paradigm, I suppose mm-hmm. that it's this sort of comfort narrative, this sort of like, don't worry, we'll take care of things for you. Just sit back and relax. Right. And that hasn't and then gone we, so well, has it? <laughs> hasn't really gone so well. No, yeah. it hasn't. But but it is about having those experiences, though. Yes. And I think that the the films that you make ha- can have those experiences because uh, I wanted to bring this up about the accessibility to it. Mm-hmm. Like I can I can like send this to my parents and be like, hey, like check this out. This is like interesting because it's right. it's exce- I think it's accessible for for everybody, right? Cool. Like, do you think do you think about that when you? Absolutely. You know, when I first started conceptualizing the DMT film originally, it was going to be the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> it was going to be so far out there. I was like, how do you put this into a film? Well, I'd like to see that too. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully, the next one we could do some of that a little bit more. Uh, cool. But it what became very apparent to me though was to have the biggest impact. I needed to kind of structure it and allow more entry points. So going out and talking to all these brilliant people that are respected, that have written books, that have done a lot of different studies um, and that have ways of talking about it where it doesn't sound like, um, you know, just some dude sitting on his couch getting high uh, with that old stereotype, because I think a lot of people run the other way with that. So how do we bring that and take these wild, crazy ideas and experiences and put them into a frame where people can go, oh, I'd never thought about that. Uh, and so we, we did. We spent a lot of time really kind of considering how does this how is the message communicated? You know, how what is how is the the person telling the story relating to the person that's receiving the story? Um, and so we, we did. We spent a lot of time with that. And my goal with any of my films is to reach the widest audience possible, even though I'm working in a very unique and kind of niche realm in many ways. Um, but we you know, feel like we've had a little bit of success in being able to reach other people uh, with those storytelling methods. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that now we live in a time where I would imagine that a lot of people have had some kind of experience that can be, you know, some, some hook that will, will be like, Oh, that's interesting. Cause now when I bring up some things like, so, Oh, you you know, Hey mom, did you know that that's John Hopkins? They did psilocybin research that, you know, and then, Hey, look at like this, this, uh, this lady, she kind of looks like you, she's older, like you, she's talking about it. So maybe, maybe there's a, you know, it's like, there's something when we see ourselves, and the other and they're they're talking about these things so um yeah i think and more and more people i think are having weird experiences because reality is getting weirder that's exactly it terrence said it well everything is just going to keep getting weirder man get ready for it yeah (laughs) 
That's right. That's right. Well, hey, listen, Mitch, it's been about, I guess, an hour. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I appreciate you being on. Is there anything else that you wanted to share that you wanted to talk about? Do you want to uh, give a shout out to or mention? Well, just, you know, everybody, I I hope you have the opportunity to go check out The Way of the Psychonaut, and we'll have that on the website, uh, thewayofthepsychonaut.com. So please, in the next couple of weeks, on the 14th of October, that'll be out there. We also have a lot of uh, all the talks that we've been doing with people in the live streams. We've recorded those and archived those on the website so people can check those out. Uh, So please don't miss out on that. And then stay tuned because um, this new Future Sense documentary, or at least the first episode for a documentary series, will be coming out in 2022. And we'll keep everybody posted on the new uh, DMT film as well. So I appreciate you having me on, man. And uh, maybe we'll come back and, and do another one once the time is right. That would be awesome. Yeah, cool. definitely. Wow. There's so many cool projects that you got coming up. I'm so psyched. I can't wait. Cheers, man. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah. Mitch Schultz, everybody. Thank you so much, Mitch. Blessings. Thank you, everyone. Peace. Hey, thanks for tuning into the show. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode as much as I did. To find out more about Mitch, go to his website. All the links are in the show notes, show description. And to support Mike Adelic, you can... Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can become a patron and get access to all kinds of bonuses like the private Mycadelic Inner Sanctum Discord chat group, bonus episodes, more goodies, merch, things of that nature. And check out our sponsors, sheathunderwear.com. Go to sheathunderwear.com. Put in the code Mycadelic. Get 20% off everything at sheathunderwear.com. It's awesome underwear. Go check it out. And check out Student Loan Tutor. Schedule a free evaluation. Studentloantutor.com. Tell them I sent you there. Thank you so much, all of you, to everybody who supports this show. Thank you for all the love and support, all the kind words. This show wouldn't be possible without you. You know who you are, and you know what to do if you love things. Tell people about it. Share it. Like it. Subscribe. And stay tuned for more awesome episodes like this shout out to danny barnett and galaxia for the intro and outro songs and of course to all you out there much love peace